Travion, you should think about uh, getting into DJing, like uh, either at bars or like weddings or something. You you have such a knowledge of music that I think you would do a really good job. You just gotta be able to feed off the crowd, you know, or definitely know what young people like to listen to. Sounds expensive. Uh, expensive for the bar owners to pay you because you're so good at it. Oh man, it's you something I thought money. about before, but I don't know. Well, it is hour two of Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, and uh, the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. Travion Berkland is running our show for us today. Uh, I won't be here tomorrow, but we'll still have a full two hours of the show. Royals will start at 6 o'clock with the pregame against, I think that'll be Minnesota. Minnesota Twins is who they'll be taking on. So we have a pretty much a full week other than, of course, Friday. Best of because uh, Troy and I have high school football to go attend to. So. Busy times. And Manhattan's at Hayes. And uh, I'm sure you heard a couple of games ago, Manhattan beat Derby. I did. At Derby. They'd won 46 in a row at home, I believe. Is yeah, right? quite a few. I don't remember yeah. the exact number, but yeah, quite yeah. a few. And they'd only lost nine games in nine years prior to that one. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's to a K-Stater coach there. in there, you know. Oh, I know. Brandon Clark. Yep. Really wide receiver. Uh-huh. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Uh, hour two, we'll definitely uh, get to Deuce Vaughn here in just a moment. Uh, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of the offense here. Uh, get a little look at Tulane as well. Uh, what we got coming up in the Big 12 this week as well. And, of course, you have phone call. You want to ask Wyatt Thompson. I mean, he's right here, guys. He's right here sitting in this very studio live on the microphone. 537-1350 is the number if you want to talk to the voice of the Cats and ask a question. Of course, as well, uh, Wednesday, uh, the Chris Kleiman show Yeah, will be taking place 7 o'clock. We'll have lots to talk about after Saturday, won't we? I think so. And yeah. I'm sure there'll be a great crowd on hand <laughs> Yeah, to uh, hear what Coach has to say. We talked last hour kind of a tip of the cap to the fans for what they went through uh, with, with the miserable weather for most of the day. Um, before the, you know, the delay, we mentioned that K-State was, after giving up the field goal drive, they really got into a big-time rhythm, both offensively and defensively after that, until that 7.44 mark of the second quarter. And, man, that, that place was hopping. It was loud, wasn't it? it they they yes. were getting after it. Oh, the atmosphere was awesome. I think it's the second-best atmosphere I've been a part of as the public address announcer. Number one was Oklahoma 2019. That was off the charts. Yes, it was. Incredible. Yep. But, yes, for that first – quarter and five minutes or so uh yes it was a great great environment i mean you had fifty-one thousand plus in that stadium it was yeah. sold out a lot of missouri fans there as well it, sure actually there wasn't as many as i thought there would be because i went and heard the game was full, sold out like weeks in advance standing room only's left i was like yeah probably you know, some missouri fans there's gonna be a good showing it's hard to tell with the ponchos and stuff you know depending on the colors but right notice a lot of gold out there but yeah it was Really awesome to see that crowd there. Plus, when the game resumed, I was like, okay, I mean, where we're at in the game, I mean, it's Missouri third down and long or whatever it was because there, there was just a tackle for loss mm-hmm. on that second down play. So the crowd was really in it, and then the referees get the word, lightning, we got to head to the locker rooms. Everybody's like, oh, right at third <laughs> down. We're about to get the ball back after scoring twice. Phillip Brooks, first of all, it gets the stop on third down. The defense gets the stop, and then Phillip Brooks, house call yeah. with the punt return. Yeah, it was just and, and that, in, that's that's the fireworks you needed to yeah. after that delay. For the most part, that's the ball game too. Really, it was because uh, it makes it twenty to three. Uh, the joint was was jumping as most 
I mean, not everybody came back, and, and I think we, I guess we kind of get it. I mean, they're so soaked, you know, uh, probably getting <laughs> yeah. to the vehicles and stuff. And but but a lot of them did come back, and a lot of them were into it. And uh, I uh, so appreciate that our, our fans to to sell out those first two games. I uh, hope we have a really good crowd, if not a sellout this week. Don't know that we will, but uh, but you hope you do because. Man, let's keep this thing going, right? I heard scattered singles. Okay, that's what I mean. So that means yes, I'm good. Should let's be go. a pretty solid. Yeah. It's a two o'clock kick. Yeah, it's perfect for it's the really tailgaters. Not, I mean, just an hour ahead of yeah. Bill Snyder's favorite kickoff time at one o'clock, which I, <laughs> I do. Don't get me wrong, I love a one o'clock kick. I like the earlier kicks when it comes to home games. That way, I, you know, can try to go watch college football afterwards, sure. or you know, maybe the late ones as well, whatever. But uh, you know, it's kind of late for the media people. Uh, you know, when you have those seven o'clock kicks. But hey, the trip to Norman. Uh, for a seven o'clock kick, week one of the Big Twelve slate, I do like that. I love the prime time Fox. You know they're thinking, all right, we're going to have two three and O teams, and both these teams are really good yeah. to kick things off for, and, for a prime time game. And they know they follow this. I mean, they know K State has played well there recently and and won a, a few times. Uh, so yeah. I, 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 to be honest, uh, was visiting with Kenny Lanou about this earlier today. Uh, I, I think we both kind of felt like it. It might be that big noon Fox game, but but seven o'clock is what it is, and I, I think it will be a terrific atmosphere there. It's one of the really cool places in college football to be. I don't know that it's any louder than <laughs> what we were describing here at Bill Snyder Family Stadium all the time, but because this this place rocks too when it's like that. Uh, but. Yeah, that'll be fun. 7 o'clock, a week from Saturday when mm-hmm. K-State opens league play at Oklahoma. Of course, this Saturday we mentioned against Tulane, it's a 10 o'clock uh, PowerCat game day. And then uh, 2 o'clock with the kickoff network, of course, starts at noon. Mm-hmm. Uh, offensively, I also want to shout to the offensive line, who I felt really took a step forward in this last game. So, as a PA announcer, the way I watch the game, it's <laughs> I love the job, don't get me wrong, but I can't exactly focus on everything thing that happens on every single play I got to watch a lot of the offense um so but I mean statistically I can just go off that statistically I mean game one against South Dakota four sacks allowed and nine tackles for loss much different story against Mizzou who I thought did throw some different looks at the K-State defense when it came to blitzes like they tried to get creative Mm -hmm. make some plays in the backfield that O-line wasn't giving up anything for K-State you're talking about zero sacks and just one tackle for loss, an entire game. It was impressive, and I think when you think about you know the disappointment of losing Taylor Portier the week before in mm-hmm. Week One, you know you 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 always are concerned with depth in most positions, no matter how deep you feel like you are, and that is one area where they felt like they were a, a rock solid eight and maybe nine deep. But I think a couple of games in, you've seen that Hadley Panzer can play center, he can play right guard. Um, Andrew Lane Gang is another guy who they love. I think is going to continue to to be groomed and and is going to see more and more time. And then those other guys. I mean, Cooper Beebe is what he is. And I think, uh, you know, I'll be honest. Those two tackles probably don't get enough credit. And I think Hayden Gillum has kind of solidified himself there. It it helped that he got you know more snaps. So because you know in week one it was he and Hadley kind of trading off. I think usually you got a chance to, to be a little bit better when you're in there all the time. And he, he's just smart, you know, and, and he's, he knows what he's doing. He's been well coached. So you hope that that continues. But 
I mentioned some of the depth, but I didn't mention others. We saw Sam Hecht in the game on Saturday, and, and you know a couple other guys. Car- Carver Willis is back and healthy now, so it makes a difference. And the more experience those guys get in these first couple of two or three games is pretty good when you get into these harder games in the league. Uh, back to Gillum, uh, I think it's the mustache. You do? I think it's the mustache. I think it's like a Superman S on the shirt. Just, I mean, Rain and Plattner. Since that mustache came about and the and the haircut and the beard, every long snap is perfect. It's on the money. I mean, Ty Zittner is the luckiest guy in the world. When I got it comes news to for you, snappers. cowboy. What's up? All those snaps were good before it too. <laughs> I think Randon Plattner is absolutely one of the best long snappers I've seen here, and we have had many, many in the time I've been here. Now, uh, Deuce Vaughn. We haven't haven't hardly talked about him. Well, the thing is, it's kind of all been said. It it kind of feels like in in two years years and two games – feels like it's all kind of been said. Like uh, Coach at press conferences on Tuesday hardly really gets much – when it's asked about Deuce Vaughn, doesn't get a whole lot anymore. You you hear kind of the typical question, you know, just how great is it to have him in your program? Like, I'm sure he's been asked that 250 times. Sure. At this point, that part of it reminds me of Darren, honestly, because after a certain amount of time, you know, what do you say that you haven't said before? I mean, I mean this sincerely. Deuce is special in hundreds of ways. Um, but the way Coach Kleiman speaks about him in terms of his training, his nutritional habits, hydration habits, weight room, all of those kind of things, he's off the charts. Um, and, and speaking of charts, I'll, I'll just throw this out here. Okay. Do you realize he's now at eighth in career rushing? Let's go. Let's go, Deuce. And, Hashtag and you, my boy. You know who is in seventh place? Seventh all-time rushing Give you a hint, it's a quarterback, Colin Klein. Okay. How about that? About to pass the OC. <laughs> Deuce has put himself into the point now where he has 14 career 100-yard games and eight straight. Only one guy has done better than that, and that's Darren with 24 games. That's crazy. Right now, Deuce yeah. Vaughn, eight straight games of 100 yards on the ground. Right. Really hasn't been used in the passing game. Again, one Deep ball down the near sideline, the west sideline, TV near uh, sideline, was called back because of a penalty. Uh, But, yeah, it's been mostly on the ground, and now he is uh, fifth in the country so far this season with 132.5 on the ground per game. Well, he's he's also got 28 rushing touchdowns, and I'll quit on this one because we could go on and on and on and on. I love a good Deuce Vaughn stat. But he's got 28 career rushing touchdowns, which ties him with John Hubert for sixth all-time. Daniel Thomas, 30, Josh Scobie, 31, and then you know the big boys coming up after that. He's getting into rarefied air there, too. Well, Deuce Vaughn did speak to the media after the game. He, he, he does what Deuce does, has a big day. They, they had to figure it out. I mean, give credit to Mizzou, who I thought did a pretty decent job of keeping Deuce somewhat contained. Like his, I don't know, his, until he had that 29-yard run, I don't know what his longest was up to that point. Maybe, maybe 10? Maybe. I'm not exactly they, they, sure. You're right. They did a pretty good job. Once I think K-State started to find some things and got them down. Own, yeah, wore them down some. It you know, then then it was a little bit easier and that's how it works. That's that's what those big linemen do. They wear you out. Well, I love hearing them talk football and 
here was Deuce Vaughn after the game with the media. I'm sorry that some of the questions that you'll hear, some of the dialogue, a little hard to hear at times, a lot of background noise, but it's Deuce Vaughn. I always enjoy it. And he first talked about just kind of how the locker room, what the locker room was like during the delay. Going into that weather break, it's kind of a weird adversity. You have so much momentum before that. How do you guys stay hype in the locker room? And obviously Phil on the other side, and he keeps it going, right? A whole lot of music. Uh, it was one of the things where we went into the locker room, we kind of understood the type of game that we were playing as a team collectively. So whenever it was time to go and stretch, I mean, music was blaring. Guys are uh, in there singing, rapping, uh, dancing while we're going through just to make sure we're keeping that energy, keeping that momentum. Because when it, we knew whenever we got back on the field, we had to keep that ball rolling to pick up right where we left off, and we did exactly that. When you, when you came off the field, uh, Coach Kleiman gave you a hug. What do you say to you, and what was it like to have that moment with him? Oh, man, he just told me how much he loved me, and how, uh, how he loves how hard I play, and I told him how much I loved him and how I'll do anything for him. Uh, that's a man that took a chance on me coming out of high school, uh, someone that saw talent that a lot of other schools didn't. So to uh, come in here and play for him every single day and do everything I can to be successful for him, for this coaching staff, for these guys in this locker room, I'm going to do that without hesitation. You talked about your blocking there a little bit. How, how much further do you think you've come? We saw a huge block on the Knowles touchdown last game, a huge one on the Martinez. Have you improved there a lot over the offseason? Yes, sir. Just dating back to last year, dating back to whenever I first got here, pass blocking was something that, pass blocking, run blocking was something that I had to improve on. It was something that I understood I had to improve on. It was something that I understood I had to, to uh, bulk up. I had to also learn blocking angles, uh, fits, and things like that, and how guys are going to play. So it was one of the things that I really dove into over the offseason. Uh, that's a testament to Coach True and his staff uh, putting weight on me, uh, the speed and conditioning of everything, and then to be able to go out there and uh, get taught uh, about how to run through uh, your leverage and things like that. Keep your feet moving, uh, especially when a guy's bigger than you. And you, you, you. How awesome is Philip Brooks? Man, he's he's my frat brother, first and foremost. Kappa Alpha, so I got to give a shout-out to, to the good noobs. But, uh, man, I love him. He, he's literally my brother. We've been through so much together. And uh, to see him get a touchdown today, especially against Missouri, with everything that he's been through, the way that he talked about this game, man, I was so ecstatic. And uh, I'll always be ecstatic. I'll always be there for him. What's the artist of choice during that delay and the rappers oh, uh, of choice you guys listen to? Dreams and Nightmares to? by Meek Mill came on. It, after that, everybody was turned. So uh, that that and to respect the game by Meek Mill, and then we were out in the field, and it was time to go. You know Felix as well as anybody. Uh, he, he was letting him have it after that second quarter sack. How much did this game mean to him being a Missouri kid, and how fired up was he uh, even just coming off the field? We saw he was, he was pretty excited. A whole bunch. Uh, his story on how he got here and uh, his story and his tie to Missouri and the way that he had watched them and uh, cheer for them growing up, man, to get a win like this and for him to play like that and for us to play like that and get a statement win like this, uh, man, it's something that we're, we're going to celebrate just for the mere fact that we've prepared so much for it. And uh, everything that went into it uh, came to fruition today. And to see him do what he does today is a big time, especially against There's Deuce Vaughn. Pretty special, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. hashtag my boy for a reason. That was before game one. Uh, by the way, Travion, you were shaking your head from the Meek Mill uh, song. You you know that song? Yeah, it's it's a certified hood classic. I don't know if I I don't know I don't know the song. It, again, I, I'm I'm out of touch. You guys might as well be speaking Russian to me. <laughs> I have no clue, but that's okay. I'm old. It, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm 32 and I'm I'm completely it's out of my game You're for sure. Too? Well, I don't feel so bad now. I mean, yeah. when I, I I told you that uh, wide off air that. On Saturday night, I didn't get to watch much college football because I, I've been DJing this annual event in Morganville, which is 45 minutes from here. It's, it's northwest of Clay Center. It's where I'm from. And it's called Party in the Ville. 
and it's for the whole town. We had it in the gym. It's an old gym. I mean, it still has the clock that like has the rotating Lines. hands, uh-huh. and uh, and I DJed their dance for another year. And uh, I think the oldest song I played, was, <laughs> pop song I played was Thriller. <laughs> really? So I, it's because I just don't know modern music that well. Plus, it just wasn't that crowd. It's mostly a country crowd. But I kept it uh, country for most of the night. When it tur- Once it turned 11, I was like, all right, I'm going to start playing some of the music I want to play. Because <laughs> I don't also know that much country either. Maybe well, I'm not fit to be a DJ. I don't know. Maybe I should know more about music. What's wrong with you, dude? If hey, listen, if I could just play the music I want to play, that it'll be a, just a party just fine. You need to brush up a little bit more and be a little bit better country prepared. Well, so I, I looked up a playlist <laughs> of like eighties, nineties, two thousands, two step country. Like songs that people would get up and dance to. Okay. So I put together a playlist. It was like I think it was hundred and fifty songs that I could choose from. And it was plenty. I mean the people had a great time. There's people on the dance floor all night. So I felt actually pretty awesome after that. All right. What time is it? Okay. We need to to get going here. So uh, when we come back, a little uh, look at the opponent coming in Saturday to Bill Snyder Family Stadium for that 2 o'clock kick. The Tulane Green Wave from New Orleans, Louisiana. Next. Five three seven thirteen fifty is the number. Still have time to call in to the show if you want to ask why Thompson or myself or both of us a question about the Cats. Talking K-State football. Still to come as well. We'll try to look into the Big 12 this week in the Big 12. What's on the docket. Uh, but the opponent for K-State on Saturday is going to be the Tulane Green Wave out of the uh, American. And last year they were not good. They were rough. <laughs> This year, they're off to a 2-0 start. Now, before we get to that, though, I want to share with you that they've these two teams have played just one time prior. And you got to go back to probably the worst run in K-State football history to find that first and only time these two programs have locked up. 1988, the year Bill Snyder became head coach of the Cats, was a 0-11 year for, the, for K-State, and game number three was at the Superdome. New Orleans, Louisiana, and K-State lost by just four points, 20-16. to 16. Should have won the game, actually. Do you know a little something about that game? I, I didn't until I heard Stan tell the story on the air Saturday. Okay. Yeah, he was there. Yeah? <laughs> and um, that they had to lead late, let it get away. A couple mm. of penalties hurt them, and they allowed Tulane to come right back down and score uh, and, and win the game. So, yeah, we haven't seen him much. Uh, and it is a team that feels like they're better. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. I was looking through the rest of that 1988 season, and uh, losing by four was by far the closest uh, loss margin when it comes to points. I mean, the second closest was, I think, 11, which is not terrible, but uh, after that, it's like 20, 25, 30. It was rough. Yeah. Rough, rough, rough time for the Cats, but uh, clearly things are different these days. And uh, I tell you what, uh, 2 and 0. They've put up some numbers offensively, uh, but the way I look at it is they have just beat up on some bad teams. UMass, who I think last year was like the worst passing team in the country, and then Alcorn, you know, they're, they were 500 last year. Yeah. Yeah, 
that's probably pretty accurate. I don't think either team is is all that good, but you know, I think they were trying to build some momentum. I think I believe I would be accurate in saying to you that I think Tulane. Well, first and foremost, Willie Fritz has been around the game a long time. I think a lot of people respect him as a, as a coach. They do have some strengths as they try to build and get better. And I would say it this way. They have a pretty experienced quarterback. They'll be a little bit like Mizzou in the skill positions. They'll have guys that you know can run and are, and are good athletes. Um, but I do think K-State will have a, you know, a decent advantage at the line of scrimmage like they did last Saturday against Mizzou, probably even more so than we were anticipating, obviously. But this week, I, I don't know that it would be as shocking. But they do have some, some talented people. Uh, Pratt, their quarterback, um, is good size at 6'3 and 220. Um, they have some good receivers. Uh, a Maryland transfer has helped them. A Notre Dame transfer has helped them. A Central Missouri State transfer actually has helped them too. Um, but you wonder what they are defensively against much better competition, and that's kind of the unknown for me. Uh, still kind of studying them here a little bit. I've worked on them a lot just because there's not a ton of information available. But now you start to, in game week, you start to get into watching that that videotape and well, it's not really videotape anymore, but you watch the digital video and and uh, kind of and or TV or both and kind of break them down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, through their two games and against again against opponents that you know they're not the best quality for sure, but I mean, they haven't made very many mistakes. Um, that's correct. They I think they're not. averaging. I mean, penalty wise, I think they're averaging like seven a game right now. But that's I mean, tur- they're not turning over the football. They're averaging. 47 points a game and I mean they're just putting up a ton of number I mean they they've ran the ball really well I think they're averaging four and a half five yards a carry almost 600 yards passing so far this year again I I just I I don't I I respect what they've done so far but I just don't think it's against the best talent and I'm also going off of just where Vegas has this game where K-State's a 14 and a half point favorite or 15 and a half point favorite I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that close. Well, I'll give you an idea how bad it was Saturday night <laughs> against Alcorn State. They had 11 guys, including quarterbacks, carry the ball. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 receivers catch a ball. So they played a ton of guys, which means it was a big-time blowout, and it was. It was like 35 nothing in the blink of an eye. So a little stiffer test for them this week. Yeah, I mean, and these games have been over pretty quickly. They don't have a guy that's ran for over 100 yards so far this well, year. But they do have a guy who's pretty capable. Um, the, the, the number one guy is, I think, a pretty good-looking player. Uh, his name is Tajay Spears, uh, 5'11", 195, really good in Game 1, didn't have a lot of work in Game 2, and I'm, I wonder if maybe he didn't get dinged up a little bit because I think he only had like five carries this last week. That gave an opportunity to Iverson Celestine and Shadi Clayton, and those two kids are pretty good. I think Clayton they really like. He's a New Orleans kid who went away and came back, and um, I think we'll see a lot of him on Saturday. But I, I, you mentioned the quarterback earlier, Michael Pratt, who's who's thrown the ball seventy one percent this season. I don't know if he's thrown a pick, but he has five touchdowns. Like no picks. Yeah, he's yeah. done really well. Yeah, he has. He has done really well. And you mentioned that he does have some guys he can throw to. But I don't think they'd be as. We'll see what it is on the field and. Yeah, well, they, Missouri, they won't have a guy that's the athlete that Luther Burden is, or maybe Dominic Lovett, 
but I, <laughs> I do think these guys are, are pretty good athletically. I'm just telling you, Jaquan Jackson and Lawrence Keyes uh, are, are really pretty quality talents. They just are. So that part of their game, I think you'll be impressed. Let's go to the phone lines. 537-1350 is the number. I don't have any information, so uh, caller, go ahead. Hey, Mitch, it's Charles Hello. from Omega. How about that? Charles from Omega. Welcome back, Charles. How are you, bud? Oh, I'm okay. A uh, little bit concerned, Mitch. Is <laughs> uh, if you get your copy of Phil Steele, you can see that Phil Steele's start year had Tulane and Missouri ranked right beside one another. Is that right? I didn't realize that. Uh, in my mind, comparing to Tulane, I would like to compare Tulane to Missouri. You know, Missouri, we played a bunch of six foot three, four star kids who are all teenagers. Tulane, we're playing a bunch of five foot ten men. And so I don't agree with the Vegas odds at all. Yeah, I don't either. I, I honestly think Tulane, Tulane's a better coach, too. I mean, uh, Willie Fritz is a very good coach. Yep. Uh, someone actually that Chris Kleinman should be a little bit familiar with. Uh, Sam Houston State played in FCC. FCS championship twice. Yes. And, uh, you know, when Willie Fritz took over Georgia Southern, uh, his first year there, I believe he won the Sun Belt. And, uh, oh, we're losing Charles. What? Uh, you're, you're cutting out there, Charles, but it sounds like you're better now. Well, well maybe not. Hey, hey, Charles, we'll, we'll see if we can uh, fix your phone line here. We'll see if Travion can take care of that for you, but you're cutting out there a little bit. But um, I, I get what he's saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, this is a team <laughs> that I believe their skill people are pretty good. Um, they're probably a little bit better at the line of scrimmage than maybe you want to give them credit for. I don't know. I'll take his word for it that they would be similar to Mizzou. We'll see on that. But he really makes the point on the coaching. W- Willie Fritz has been around a while. I mean, I, when I was taping with Coach Kleiman, the television show, he he was he was very uh, <laughs> detailed in 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 talking about Willie Fritz and the type of individual he is as a person and as a coach. I, I think we're dealing with a pretty good football mind uh, coming in here this week. But I'll say defensively. I mean, Tulane – K-State defensively has seen, of course, much better talent than Tulane has, and K-State's numbers defensively are much better than Tulane's defensively. I mean, it, Tulane has four sacks against two pretty bad offenses. And, and K-State has – I mean, they have five on the year, but the 20 tackles for loss. I mean, Tulane is going to face a defense that is just – on another atmosphere, on another universe, <laughs> than what Tulane has seen so far. It looks like we got uh, we got Charles back. So uh, Charles, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, Mitch. The cell phone service out here has been bad for two weeks now. Uh, you know, Tulane's got a good. The one thing they did have last year, their running back had a really good year, despite the rest of the team falling apart. Yep. He averaged six point seven yards a carry, and I just. You know, I've just sort of looked at this as maybe a slightly tougher game than Missouri because you know all the guys were going to be up for Missouri. And with Oklahoma next week, this is just a little bit of a letdown situation. I I hear you there, and I've honest I've thought about that. Like 
I think you have to worry are, about are, it. Are you honest. looking ahead to yeah. Oklahoma? For yeah. sure. I mean, it was just announced the kickoff time, but I don't know. Like Hearing all these K-State players talk, they have sold it to me that they are focused day by day, week by week. And I know I'm probably just giving you coach talk at this point, <laughs> but as just hearing the, the players talk, I mean, I, I know they're going to be fired up for this game. I, I really do. I mean, it's Fort Riley Day. It's a big day for everybody. And this K-State defense knows that Tulane is going to have some guys that can move the football. And But I, I'm just saying, like, K-State's defense, I think, is going to tear them up. I really do. I, and I don't think – Charles, when you said you don't agree with Vegas, like, are you saying, like, 14.5 points or 15.5 points is, is too much? It should be slimmer? Yeah, I be honest. I was shocked. Well, I was shocked last week when we came out as only eight and, eight and a half against Missouri. Uh, both last week and this week, I'd had us about eleven or twelve. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I yeah, bet, I because I'm going to tell you something, Mitch. Good. Willie Fritz is going to come in and play ball control. He's going to try to take time off the clock. This is this is, Willie Fritz is going to come at us like Bill Snyder would have come at you know uh, one of those great well. Like he did when we had Colin Klein, just uh, quarterback run, or maybe that was Ron Prince. I forget which one. But anyway, he's going to try to take time off the clock. Uh, they're going to be Willie Fritz is a better coach than Eli Drinkwitz, and it's going to be oh, lower sure. scoring. And you know, I, you know, I just granted the the like you said the competition Tulane's played in the first two weeks. UMass is one of the worst five or ten FBS teams. And the other, the one double A they played is only halfway decent. Mm-hmm. So it's a big step up in competition for him. But I mean, like I say, Willie, Willie Fritz is going to come in and try to take time off the clock. So I think we'll win, but I think it's going to be a tougher. And I think we'll probably win by more than one score. But it's going to be a little bit of tougher, tougher of a game than what some people think. I wouldn't argue with that. I th- again, I think you make the point where it's that tweener game between Mizzou which they were definitely up for, Oklahoma, which you certainly think they would be. And so you, I, I think – I'm not a coach, but I, I think in trying to think like they would think, you, you'd, you'd try to guard against that. You, and it's hard to manufacture juice like that. You either are up for the game or you're not, right? I mean, in, in, my, in my perspective, I, I believe that is so. You've got, you got to get yeah. yourself up. And they're not going to come in and throw four interceptions in a row. No, <laughs> no, I, I I doubt it. I, I I'm sure. Uh, well, and you know, have the elements. I'm sure uh, there'd be a little bit better elements to throw the football than what Eli Drinkwitz and uh, Brady Cook had to deal with on Saturday. But um, well, I, I tell you what, Charles, uh, appreciate the call. We got to get to a break, but don't be a stranger. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Charles from Amigo, everybody. Let's get to a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little Big Twelve Week Three after this. We continue on with Wildcat Insider Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. A caller wanted uh, us to bring this up. It had been a plan to talk about it, just haven't got to it yet. Uh, and uh, I felt maybe that's more for Tuesday. But Scott Frost is uh, no longer the head coach at Nebraska after four full seasons and then three more games 
into this year, finishes with a record of 16 and 31 and 10 and 26 in the Big Ten. It really is an interesting story for me because I am not afraid to sit here and tell you that when Nebraska hired him, I thought it was a good hire. Yeah. He played at Nebraska, he knew Nebraska, he loves Nebraska. He had had such great success uh, in Florida at, at UCF. I mean, it just it just made a lot of sense that he was a good fit. And yet they lost a ton, I mean a ton of close games, and he never really seemed to get the kind of traction that I think everybody thought that, that he would have. Maybe in retrospect people might say that Nebraska wasn't maybe as – and I'm, I'm just kind of – reaching here a little bit, but maybe Nebraska wasn't quite as good personnel-wise as some thought when he walked in there. Maybe it was a little tougher gig than everybody thought. I don't know that. I just, I just, to be honest, I don't follow them now like I did when they were in this league. I just don't. But uh, in 16 and 31, yeah. from, from what, the, what I know Nebraska to be from, from – their time in this league and, and what they did all the way back into the 60s is pretty astonishing. Nebraska fans, you guys couldn't deal with one more loss by a single possession? Like, you got tired of them or something? I don't know. I thought you guys were right there. You're so close. I mean, 13 of the last 14 losses by one possession or something like that? You know. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You just, can't make any sense of it. It just It's just... When, when that happens, I mean, you just have to surmise they're, they're not as well coached as, as they should be, maybe, or... Well, that's probably it. I mean, let's well, just cut to the chase and save. You're you're in all those games. You need to win your share, and they, they, frankly, they just didn't. But what does this do for his legacy? I mean, because he was a national championship winning quarterback, played right. for Tom Osborne. Yeah, I, I don't know that the shine is off that star. I mean, he hasn't done anything there in my mind, at least, to take the shine off of what he did as a player. I think if you're if you're being fair. And some won't. <laughs> Let's be honest. Oh, you know, I mean, life, life isn't always fair, is the old saying. You right? have a whole generation yeah. of Nebraska Cornhusker fans who yeah. think he was just a terrible coach or something. Yeah, you know. So, but but it is, and who knows where they go from here? You've already heard, you know, names and and what have you. But my goodness, it it's just crazy to think that sixteen and thirty one and what four four years and a couple of two or three ball games. That's 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 nuts. Well, let's take a look at what the Big 12 has this weekend. Uh, Saturday, a 3 o'clock kick on ESPNU. Uh, Got to bring it up because they've been impressive so far, the, the Kansas Jayhawks, and they're going to play against a Houston team that won in overtime against UTSA and then went into Lubbock and lost a really close ball game. I'm really intrigued by this one on a lot of levels. Um, I, I really think Houston let one get away in Lubbock. Um they had basically had Tech down to the point where they had a fourth and 20, and they made it and ended up finding a way to win the game. So depending on how you look at that, you could probably say, man, Houston had a real shot to win that one. Kansas, I think they surprised everybody with the win in Morgantown, and, and really the, the truth is is they were the better football team, as I said last hour, for the most part, from the time they were down 14 early in the game. They were much better after that. And to score that, that many points, that they, 
they being West Virginia had a lot of trouble with with Jalen Daniels in the run game and even some of the passing game. KU's offense has been pretty good. I, I know Tennessee Tech was one of them, and maybe West Virginia will have a down year, but it, it is quite a start. So that makes this this Kansas game at Houston hugely entertaining. I think for a lot of people that follow the Big Twelve. No, I think that's totally a game where you know I think we're going to find out is Kansas actually legit. And yeah. I, I know I mean Houston isn't as good as like you know Oklahoma or Baylor or whatever. You know obviously they're a step behind or a couple of maybe two or three, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, can K, can KU go on the road once again and knock off a team that's actually, you know, they're about to join the Big 12? Yeah, and and I think Houston, I mean, we'll see how they respond. That had to be a, a difficult one for them to swallow, uh, and KU will be on a real high. So you wonder how those emotions match up when you get to, you know, next Saturday. Every week is different. We know that. Um, we, we see it every single year, but... That game jumps off the page at me, and there are others in the in the league. I I, I wonder a little bit about Texas Tech at NC State. Um, yeah, you know that could be a very interesting game, especially after you know Tech found a way. <laughs> I, I guess that's the way to say it. I think Houston kind of found a way to lose, and Tech maybe found a little bit of a way to win there. So, well, and I mean, don't forget. So NC State, their first game. They win by a point yeah. at East Carolina. Right. Yeah, and we're probably outplayed for the most well, part. Well, yeah, because East Carolina couldn't figure out how to kick a field goal. <laughs> yeah, that happens. And, and I, I wonder a little bit about Texas' psyche this week after playing so well against Alabama. What do they bring to the table against UTSA, who's pretty decent? Yeah, I they're wouldn't sleep great, on but they're pretty decent. UTSA. Yeah. So there are some interesting games in the league. And then, of course— well. What about Oklahoma and Nebraska sure. right before we see them? And I mean, yeah. you know, Nebraska was in just such a hurry to can Scott Frost that they decided to pay him an extra seven and a half million where it would have dropped instead of paying him fifteen million to seven and a half on October first. I mean, couldn't stick with him for another couple of weeks or so. Okay. But now associate head coach Mickey Joseph is gonna take over and the first game is against number six Oklahoma. In Lincoln, at Memorial Stadium. Now, I feel like, you know, this line on the game is Oklahoma 11.5. This is a betting state now. Everybody's betting on sports now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they are. How is, you know, well, I assume is they are. everybody I that, not but... going to take Oklahoma minus 11.5? I mean, that feels like one you would just jump on right away to go make some cash. But it, it's always weird when you're playing a team that just fired their head coach. I mean, it's like this team that just fired their coach just got a superpower all of a sudden, and they compete really well in their next game, and Sometimes, some even win it. Yes, that's that's a that's a fair statement. Like a tech last year. Yeah, it, it does happen that way from time to time. I don't know that it will happen this this time. You know, Oklahoma wasn't real great in the first half against Kent State, and then pretty much dominated in the second half. I mean, they didn't win, you know, like they normally do, fifty-two to seven or whatever. It's like thirty-three to three or what have you, but I think I think they're getting used to their new system and they've they've got good talent. Um, I'm anxious to see though. I mean, to me, this is more about Oklahoma just showing up and taking care of of this. You know, it's they usually win these kind of games. Usually, looking around. Uh... 
The rest of the Big 12, yeah, there's nothing really interesting out outside of that. But, yeah, I think, I mean, to jump back, I don't know, maybe Charles got in my head or something, but I've been thinking <laughs> about the line. And, like, I see K-State minus 15. I'm still taking K-State to cover that. Okay. I think that's kind of another one of those lines where everybody would see, oh, K-State minus 15 and a half against this Tulane team that really hasn't played anybody, but they've, they've done some great things offensively. Oh, yeah, you take the Cats minus 15 and a half, and then you have Charles who – Heck, could probably be one of those people that could set a line in Vegas. Maybe. Uh, that, that would maybe take Tulane there. I'm still taking the Cats to win by three, at least three possessions. Okay. Now, bring up the uh, time of possession has basically been 50-50 so far for Tulane this season against Alcorn and against uh, UMass. So I, 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 gotta, I guess i got to watch Tulane play on film or something. I haven't watched any of Tulane yet. I've just been looking up numbers. And I know, of course, about the coaching history with who they have. Uh, Yeah, I'm still taking K-State to cover that spread. That's just – and I'm going to do an interview actually after the show with a beat writer for Tulane. I'm going to get to know him a little bit more just by hearing from somebody who writes for um, a newspaper in New Orleans and get to know them a little bit better. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I'll see. But Monday right now, I would not take K-State to, to uh, win by anything less than, than 20 points. Well, I'm not sure what to add to that. I think K-State is certainly the better football team. Yeah. And, and I'm basing this a lot on defense. I yeah. Tulane is going to be humbled really quickly, I think. Well, we'll see. I think K-State has a great chance of having the best defense in the, in the not the country, but the Big 12 this year. I think it, it can be that good. And I don't think it's going to slow down against Tulane. They're way too encouraged right now by how much they've been just destroying defenses so far this season. All right, we got to go, Wyatt. It was fun. Enjoyed it. Thanks for coming in. For Travion Berkland, for the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. I'm Mitch Fortner. The show, the game, 4 to 6 tomorrow. Getting you closer to the locker room than anyone else. This is Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider, an exclusive presentation of the flagship station of the K-State Sports Network. News Radio 1350, KMAN.